You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. Hi, folks. Be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Right now, it is time for my buddy. He walked in the door and says, good morning, and that means that Dr. History's here. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Zeb. How are you? I'm great. You know, you and I have talked many, many times on this program about, and, and we might as well tell the audience we were talking about it a little bit before we started this morning, about how speech and speech mannerisms and the eloquency of speech has changed from the Old West till today. I don't know that we could understand them if we were on all of a sudden placed back there 150 years ago i agree it'd be it would be different it would be a lot different but you also have some local stories for i do i'd like to hear about this okay this is a guy by the name of thomas gray and i showed you this picture yeah he looks like uh well he could sit right there on the hills today he's got a pair of chaps on and yeah he's ready to go to work looks like he could just fit right in and he was born in 1877 over here in albin oh so not very far from where we're at so folks right here not too far from the snake river where we're at is where he was born and this is taken from his stories so i give quite a bit of credibility to the story here you always ask me how accurate are the stories and i think this one is pretty much right on okay so i've got a couple of stories here uh you know early in the 1890s hundreds of horses were trailed out of oregon and california through this country headed for the eastern market now the outfits would often lose horses from the herds and these animals would then be left to kind of run wild on the range just like with cows you know they'd lose a few cows as they went along sometimes but when the local ranches were gathering their herds they would sometimes keep one or two of these strays if they didn't recognize the brand yeah so they just put them into their herd Mm -hmm. now there's a guy named frank ross and he ran a bunch of horses on a place called three creek is it do you know where that is it's around here somewhere what's the name of the creek? three creek three oh three creeks out at uh, rogerson oh okay all yeah. right so that's where he was and he branded with a the number three on the left jaw of his horses really okay so he had a, an old pet horse named billy that did not carry his brand or any other brand from this country it had uh, an unfamiliar brand in yeah. other words on the jaw yeah and i had never heard of that branding on the jaw okay Hmm. anyway billy was on the range and he got farther south than the rest of ross's horses there's a group of men uh, family called the o'neills well they were out rounding up rounding up their herd and they came across billy now i wonder if that is the family that o'neill basin was named i'll bet it is I'll bet it is, because it was right here. But anyway, they knew all the brands that belonged in this country, and seeing the brand on Billy, figured he'd been lost by a trail outfit and decided to take him on home. Mm. Uh, They had him at the ranch for some time. Well, Frank Ross, you know, that was his kind of a favorite horse. And he began wondering uh, what happened to old Billy and asking around, and he found a man who'd been by the O'Neills and said he had seen the horse there. Well, Frank got his Winchester. 
Uh oh. Stepped on his horse and went over to see the O'Neills. <laughs> went to see them. <laughs> anyway, it was late in the evening when he got there. One of the ranch hands had been mowing hay with Billy all day Uh-oh. and had just driven in for the night. He had a Bronco hitched in with old Billy. That didn't sit too good with Frank. I bet he was a little bit a little, upset. Yeah. So Frank told the O'Neills, he says Billy was his horse and he'd come after him. They told Frank that if that it was his horse, he was welcome to take him. But they figured since it was so late, Frank might as well stay the night and eat. And They Fra- invited him yeah, in to eat? Yeah. And <laughs> keep in mind, Frank was not there on a too good of a Not uh, mood. with a Winchester no. in his hand. So anyway, Frank said he was mad when he went over there. And even madder when he saw the man come in from working his old pet horse alongside a Bronco. But he was treated so good. He could not say anything that night, and when Frank got ready to go the next morning, he told Jim O'Neill, he said it was all right uh, this time to have one of his horses, but he said if it ever happened again, somebody might get killed. So wait a minute. Let's <laughs> let's set the story here correctly. He was invited to stay the night. Right. He was fed uh, supper and breakfast, and then when he departed, he says, I'm going to come back and kill you if you take another one of my horses. <laughs> and he got his horse back. Right. So anyway, you know, Jim O'Neill said, and this is, uh, th- that wasn't the end of it. Jim O'Neill said, well, Mr. Ross, if things around here don't look just right to you, Maybe we better uh, pull that shooting scrap off before you leave this morning. So, wait a minute. What happened to all the uh, good Uh, citizenry here? Yeah. (laughs) Well, and and, uh, this guy says, I remember hearing Frank telling my father and some of the neighbors he saw that he had started something that was perfectly agreeable, so he took his horses and left. I see. (laughs) Wisely so. So anyway, speaking of trail outfits, uh, and again, this is coming from this guy, uh, coming through early in the 1890s, two kids were out riding one day and ran on to two strays. He says, we couldn't recognize the brands, so took them home for our father to look them over. He said he didn't know the brands and that we could keep the horses, but never to sell or trade them as someone might come looking for them. No one ever did claim them, and they lived on the ranch until the day they died. Well, one was a gentle Bay saddle horse branded with a D on the left shoulder. Left shoulder. Now, that's more common. Yeah. Or the left hip. Yeah. Yep. But the bay was named Snipe. Okay. I think everybody had a horse named Snipe, didn't they? You know, <laughs> they either had one named that, Snipe or Snip, and then they always had a horse named Cowboy. <laughs> that's right. Yep. Well, anyway, he says, after we rode old Snipe a while, we could tell he'd been trained to run and would still do so for short distances. Yeah. Okay. Now, lots of cowboys used to come to our house, and they would sometimes have horses they could run. They would get to talking about races to us, and we would tell them we had an old saddle horse. We would run against theirs for about 200 yards. Uh-huh. They would call us on it, and as the horses came up to the scorer, which I guess was the starter, and the judge, and he hollered, Go! Snipe was gone in a flash. He would get out about two jumps start on the other horses, and they could not catch him in the short races. We would sometimes win five bucks from the Cowboys. There you go, a whole five bucks. (laughs) Now, he says most of the Cowboys never caught on that he was a trained racehorse. I see. So, anyway, now I'm going to go on to a little 
another little story about this Thomas Gray. He says, in the 1890s, this country had a lot of cowboys willing to spend all their money to look fancy. Now, he's about 13 years old then, right? He was born in 1877. Yep, just a young kid. And, uh, you know, we've talked about this. The cowboys, they like to dress pretty fancy yeah, sometimes. Yeah, they were a little flamboyant. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they had silver-mounted spurs with conchos on them. Some things never change. And sometimes, now, a concho is, of course, the 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 rowel or the, the or no, wait a minute. The, no, 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 it's on the, the spur strap. That's right, it's on the spur strap. It's on the spur strap. And sometimes they even had what they call catchers on the shank to hook the spurs in the cinch when the horse was bucking. Yeah. So that was just kind of a little lip-type thing right and then of course they always had the jingle bobs yes we're talking about that anyway there's a guy named frank hubs who was often called the silver mounted cowboy because he was very fond of silver mountings on his saddle his bridle a bit spurs even his six shooter was silver mounted and as were his suspenders suspenders silver mounted suspenders he may have looked fancy but that would not have carried him for too long he was also a darn good uh, cowboy Uh, he was an expert roper who seldom missed and he caught what he aimed for and he could throw his 60 foot foot uh, 65 foot riata full length and catch any animal now Riata is a leather, yeah, uh, bow, a leather uh, lariat, lari, uh, braided, leather rope, braided. braided yeah. That's what I was braided, looking for. Yeah. Anyway, so he was good. Besides looking good, <laughs> so uh, when I'm on the golf course, I look good, but I don't do good. <laughs> I was just going to mention that to you. Anyway, you know, now a little bit of that might be all brag and not fact. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah. let's get back to Frank. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, many a time, he says, I've seen 15 to 20 cow horses tied to the hitch and rack in town. The cowboys would walk along Main Street with their shaps and their spurs on. The spurs would jingle and jangle as they hit the board sidewalks. Yep. Yep. And the spurs they wore had long chains hooked on them and rattled in the stirrups. And they always used to say they're going to go to town, so they had to put their spurs in the town hole. Did you ever hear no, that phrase? I never heard that phrase. That means dropping them down a little lower on the boot oh. so that they would rake along on the boardwalks. <laughs> well, they, they were definitely a sight to behold, yeah, I'm sure. But, so anyway, the cowboys in southern Idaho rode uh, what they call center-fired saddles, some with tapaderos. Yep. Now, a tapadero is kind of a leather covering of the stirrup. Of the stirrup. Yep. And some of them would hang down 24 to 28 inches. Yeah, the, you know. Halfway to the ground. My dad had a set of tapaderos back in Wisconsin. And they're really good if you're riding in a lot of brush and everything, but they're heavy. And, oh. and they can really, they can hurt your ankles yeah. being in the stirrups. And they, but I guess on the positive side, they protect your feet, yeah, yeah, your boots. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, they carried long rawhide ropes that I mentioned called riatas and dallied around their saddle horns. The cowboy's boots were uh, the brand Buckingham and Heck. Have you heard of that? Buckingham and Heck. That terminology? Boots. Yeah, the that brand. Must have been an or, or was old... that the type of a boot? I don't right? know. I think I, it was probably the company that built yeah, that's or what made the boots. I, I need, don't know. I need to check on that. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, and and he, that, you know, i got to stop you right there. That always amazed me in the Old West. Did you ever think about how never were there boot sizes or boots sized back then like they are now? I mean, you basically had to ram your foot into one. If it fit anywhere close, you, you were going to take it. Yeah. Now. 
However, if you were had enough money to have one custom yeah, made, you then you were okay. Yeah. And anyway, he would be seen. He uh, wouldn't be seen without a vest and a silk handkerchief tied around his neck. Big Ben Denny. <laughs> anyway, there's a little guy named Pete Myers, an old Texas trail driver, and he helped drive 2,000 head of cattle to Cheyenne, Wyoming, in 1887. After that trip, he, like most of the cowboys, looked for a chance to spend his earnings for the year and have some fun. So. Generally, they managed to spend every dime they made and had to go on the company grub line for the winter. Now, Pete decided to go to Kansas City, Kansas, to see what it had to offer. Mm-mm. When he came back, he had an overcoat with him. Some of the cowboys got to looking at it, and they said, This is a pretty fine coat, isn't it, Pete? Pete looked them straight in the eye and replied, Heck, it ought to be fine. Cost me $1,700. Heck? <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> Cost me seventeen hundred dollars. Seventeen hundred. Yeah, for I mean, you wouldn't spend that today on a over anyway. I am a cheap person. <laughs> yeah, Timex watches. Yeah, right. Anyway, so now in eighteen ninety five, the shoe sole, which you've heard of, right over here, trailed a herd of cattle to American Falls, which, folks, for us is just about seventy miles east of where we are right now. Yep, and they shipped them to the Eastern Market. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. And there were lots of cowboys in this town, and some people had come in from the east. One group of Easterners had a band with them, and the band was off to one side when one or two of the cowboys strolled over to listen to the music. Now, the Easterners uh, soon let the cowboys know that they were not welcome. That's not something you do, Zeb. Uh, That didn't set too well with them, so they got their heads together and went back over. Now, walking over to the band, one or two of the cowboys pulled out their six-shooters and started uh, shooting. And then they said to the band, play you, and then it's just a blank, play. (laughs) Well, uh, There's not even a word there. I'm sure that you could fill in the blanks. Uh, No, I'm not going to. They didn't shoot the instruments. No, 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 they just shot in the air. The band told them certainly they they certainly would. They changed their personality. If they would stop shooting. So the band not only played, but the Easterners took the cowboys down to the saloon, buying them all the whiskey they could drink. They decided that, you know, maybe these guys ought to be our friends. You think? Yeah. So, anyway, the majority of cowboys are good-hearted and not hard to get along with if you know how to take them. And when a poor widow or an orphan child needed help, you could always count on the cowboys to throw in. He says, I have sat on the sidewalk in town among the cowboys in bygone days when some little boy or girl not too well-dressed would come strolling by. The cowboys would run their hands down in their pockets, pull out 25 or 50 cents, and hand it to the child. And soon the little one would have a whole handful of money. They would talk and joke with the child a little and then let him go away feeling rich. There and that's, you, you that know, that's, nice. the, just, that's the cowboy. Yep. It really is. That's spirit. And you know, yeah. that's still in a lot of cases the way it is. It today. is. It really is. Yep. You know, now a cowboy's worst enemy is, and you know this, Zeb, a badger. And most cowboys would say they hated a badger even worse than they hated a rattlesnake. Yeah. 
Badger holes have caused many cowboys to suffer some very bad falls, ruined many a good horse for life. That's right. And horses raised on the range where badger holes are abundant will look out for the holes. And, uh, you know, I've ridden and you've ridden and, you know, the horses are kind of, they're kind of watching, yep, you know, yep. when you're going at a gallop, they're, they're kind of watching out for you. It's a wreck looking for a place to happen. Yeah. Anyway, when this is the case, the cowboy usually stands a better chance, leaving the side, stepping to the horse, let him do it. Yep. And it, uh, used to be nothing to see a cowboy down off his horse, holding his shooter out. Pointed at a badger hole, waiting to shoot the head off that little menace of the range. Little menace of the range? I'm not sure <laughs> not that's that the, little. I'm not sure that's the correct verbiage right there. <laughs> well, it says menace here, yeah, Zeb, and yeah. it's, uh, it's in parentheses, yeah. so it's, that must have been what they said. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure they call them menaces. Yeah. So anyway, that's kind of some stories about southern Idaho right through here where we live. You know, it would be interesting to go back and do some stories on the UC, the big ranch that took over this area right here of Magic Valley. Yeah. And uh, with all the horses that were raised for the government and all the cattle and everything. Yeah, this and, used to uh, be a huge, uh, this whole Magic right Valley here. was a huge ranch area. Yeah. Thousands and thousands of head of cattle. And then all the stories about the old town of Rock Creek. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I've got some in, uh, about Rock Creek that I can tell about. What about this guy, uh, the book about this guy? W- whatever happened to him? Uh, how long did he live, et cetera? Um, Does it say? You know, I'm not sure how long he actually lived. Does it give any information about his demise or whatever? Um, he was born in 1877. Yeah, actually he talks about the winter of 1916 to 17. Wow. So uh, he must have... Got up there a little bit. Yeah. Um, well, I just thought I'd ask. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, I, I like this book because it, I think it's pretty accurate as to how they talked and what they saw and what life was really like for the cowboys right in, well, not just here, but all over the West. Now, he was born much. up in Albion. Yeah. Okay. Now, yeah. let's see. I'm trying to think. Uh, 1877. How does that equate to uh, to uh, the gentleman? All of oh, a sudden, Diamond Field Jack? Diamond Field Jack, yes. Oh, he was later. He was later. Yeah, that was okay. more, uh, yeah, because he didn't die until like 1949. Didn't he die in a car accident down he in got Las hit Vegas? By a taxi. Hit by a taxi or something. Yeah, after evading, being hung several times, being yeah. shot at, being a multimillionaire, and he died poor. He uh, had a lot of money at one oh, time. Oh, millions. Yeah. He, he had mines down in uh, Nevada that made him millions of dollars. Really? And well, he that's lost kind of it the all. the same as your story. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I've, yeah, I've invested in some things that. <laughs> <laughs> didn't turn out so good. <laughs> you know, really, when you talk about the history of this area, with the river, the Snake River, and the crossing of the river, and, uh, you know, the getting uh, crossed on the Oregon Trail to cross the canyon and everything, man, oh, man, those people were tough. They were. And they were very inventive. They were. Very inventive. Now, you know, uh, I don't know if you saw the Times news newspaper last uh, Sunday. They had quite a few articles about, uh, like, Rock Creek and yeah. the city of Rock. Yes. And actually, they had a, the story I told about Chief Joseph yes. in there. And for you people that are uh, you're considered uh, underprivileged unless you have bought my CD. <laughs> and, Boy, there's a plug. Yeah, and listen to my stories as you travel from Burley through 
Declo, Albin, City of Rocks, over to Oakland, back to Burley. You can get them at the uh, Chamber of Commerce. Okay, I'm plugging for you. I appreciate it because I only need to sell 700 more to break even. (laughs) (laughs) And you can get them at the Casia Museum. And actually, they are up to at Tracy's store in uh, Almo. Almo. That's the oldest store uh, still functioning, I think, in Idaho. Really? Yeah, I think it was like 1897 or uh, anyway. And they, the Tracys, if you read that article, they've tried to bring back some of the old uh, look for the Tracy store. You've got to stop in there, anybody that goes past there. You know what Alamo. we ought to do? We ought to ask this. We ought to put this out in front of the public, that if you or you know of any family members that had ties to certain events here in the Magic Valley or the state of Idaho in years gone by, they ought to try to get a hold of us and, and sure. give us the information. Yeah. We'd love just, to have it on the Just program. go to my webpage and on comments, you can just put your name and your story there on comments and I'll email you back. I always do good, good. so yep just doctorhistory.com go on there and uh, under comments just it'll come to me and you know we've talked about this briefly in other circumstances but when you go into an old western cafe you know an old restaurant or whatever you never really knew too much about the uh, environment or how sanitary or how hygienic it was or wasn't uh, the food was always good uh-huh yeah. <laughs> you know i remember going up in show show and there was an old one up there we used to go in and there was one old one in oakley there used to be there you know and uh, there was an old one in declo yeah. they just had an atmosphere they just don't get anymore atmosphere that's the that's, that's the, the word story. you're going to stick with um, sticking okay. by my story but really you often wondered about how the meat or the food <laughs> or whatever was taken care of and I, you know i always figured if the locals were in there and that we're still alive you were probably okay oh that's a good advertisement they're still alive <laughs> let's eat it yeah but you know food in the old days i mean man that was just kind of hard to put together in a group and serve and well you know in europe of course in england uh it was a daily thing. The the wives would go every day to the market and, yeah. and buy fresh, killed, because uh, you didn't have refrigeration. So you had, every day, they would go to the market and get yeah. their fruits, their vegetables, their meat. Yeah. So, uh, and I, I think they probably had to do that here as much as possible, wow. but I think a lot of it was pork. Uh, or uh, salted, you know. a lot of them had cast iron stomachs, too. They would have to. (laughs) Doctor, you did it again. Great program this morning. We're out of time already. I know. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm out of story. (laughs) What are we going to talk about next Uh, week? That's a good question. That's why I asked. I know. Thank you. Doctor History, one of my dear friends on Zebeth Ranch.